Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, a couple of things I want to follow up on from Sunday's Green Bay 34-24 victory down in Dallas that we didn't get to on yesterday's show. We kind of had to hustle and rush out of here because yeah. we had interviews in the locker room to get to. So following up, the Packers had to dig a little deeper into their depth chart in this game than maybe they have for the first four games of the regular season. And it wasn't just because Devontae Adams was out at wide receiver and Jamal Williams was out at running back. Right. But in the defensive backfield and on the offensive line, we saw some pretty exemplary performances by Chan- Chandon Sullivan, excuse me, who got a key interception in the first half for the Packers, and then by Lucas Patrick, filling in for Corey Lindsley at center. Um, these are the kinds of performances that uh, they go under the radar a little bit, but they really are the uh, the unsung hero type of performances that help you pull out big road wins. So I'm not asking you to praise me here. I'm really not. Okay. But what did I tell you from like the end of July, beginning of August? What was one of my big things? I really thought Shannon Sullivan was a player. Yeah, you did. I I was about this guy. And there was a couple reasons why. One, he's really smart. And I think you got a feel for that yesterday, being in his group huddle. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible if you know his backstory at all. I mean, 3.8 whatever GPA. uh, Georgia State. Georgia State. Atlanta, yeah. The way his family pushed him. I mean, football is a big part of who he is, but it's not the only thing about who he is. And I just was really... You know the interactions I had with him during training camp. It just was really fascinated by him as an individual. But even more than that, I don't know exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles were thinking back in May when they released him because this is a guy who played five games for them last year as an undrafted free agent, started one game for them. Yeah. And you know they made a decision right after the draft that he evidently was on that 88-89 bubble where they bring in some undrafted rookies. They moved on from him. You don't see that a lot. Um, not necessarily that, that you don't stick with guys, but the fact that you, you have a guy that plays for you yeah. is up for five, six weeks, and then you just decide to move on. So he falls right in the Green Bay Packers' lap, and I thought throughout training camp he displayed a lot of versatility, thought he showed a lot of athleticism, and now given this opportunity in this game, playing the nickel slot position with all the injuries that had mounted in the secondary, he steps up in a big way and makes a really key leaping interception um, and one of three that the Packers were able to get off of Dak Prescott. I've really been impressed by him as a player, and I just think that this was sort of the manifestation of that in that game against the Cowboys. Well, he's certainly the perfect example of why and how a personnel department scouts the entire league. They have their files on everybody when they're coming out yeah. for the draft. The guys get drafted, other guys go undrafted. But they're around other teams, and then the pro scouts take over, and they're scouting these guys. And when guys that they like become available for whatever reason, whatever reason it didn't work out in Philadelphia, the Packers pounced on Chandon Sullivan. They brought him in. They gave him a chance to compete in a very competitive defensive backfield, as as we saw throughout training camp. But what we also saw is how many defensive backs the Packers kept on the 53-man roster. Specifically for situations like this where you went into the game not knowing if Kevin King was going to play. Tony Brown, you knew, was going to be out with uh, his hamstring injury. So you're digging into that depth chart a little bit. And here's Chandon Sullivan, who, yes, the main part of his story is that he 
was an undrafted player who's had to take the hard road to the NFL. But as you said, Wes, it wasn't like walking out there against the Dallas Cowboys that he was some rookie who hadn't done this before. Right. He had NFL experience, and the Packers have a little bit more of that, and we'll talk about it with Lucas Patrick as well at center. The Packers have more of that in their depth chart now than maybe we've seen in the last couple years. Absolutely, and and I got to tip my cap to Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I was in a group huddle with him. Uh, talking to Jason Simmons, the Packers' secondary coach, okay. uh, on Monday, and he was actually the one that brought this question up before I did. You know, in these previous years, there was a lot of times where the Packers, if an injury happens, they have to turn to an undrafted rookie, a legitimate, like, first-year player. The way that they've configured this depth chart this year, and it's probably the reason why you saw not as many undrafted rookies make the team this year, right. was because Will Redmond is in his third NFL season. He's the backup safety now. Chandon Sullivan makes the roster there at cornerback as a guy that already has one year under his belt. These are both guys that have not only, you know, been through an NFL camp before, but they've actually played in NFL regular season games before. So when they get thrown into those situations, it's not just completely, you know, wide open in terms of their eyes and and trying to adapt and adjust on the fly. They've been through some of these scenarios. So I I think that was one thing that really lifted the Packers in this game. The fact that, okay, you have a guy like Will Redmond that you feel confident in. You can put him on the back end. You can slide up Adrian Amos into the box to play closer to the line of scrimmage. You can put Chandon Sullivan in at nickel cornerback. You can slide him around. You know, Jason Simmons said this was all by design, the way that they designed these things in training camp. He wanted to give these guys opportunities to make the roster by showing versatility, but through that, you start to understand what these guys can really handle. Yeah, well, and give credit to Chandon Sullivan, too, for a key play in the fourth quarter. It didn't work out in the Packers' favor, excuse me, but he was all over Randall Cobb in the slot on the pass into the end zone that was a little bit high and got tipped, and that Redmond picked off in the back of the end zone off the deflection, ended up getting wiped out by a penalty, and the Packers did not get the turnover. But that was another play that Sullivan made, you know, guarding a, a veteran accomplished wide receiver, obviously, in Randall Cobb. And I tip my cap to him for the uh, celebration yeah. after his interception. He talked about this at his locker that uh, he did the slide on the knees into the end zone and, and, you know, stretched out his arms before the rest of his teammates came around him. And that was a tribute to Nick Collins and his pick six in Super Bowl 45 in that same stadium and he talked about how there's that picture of Collins is actually on kind of right on the corner of the outside of the cafeteria near the player's entrance when they when they enter and leave the building on a daily basis so he'd seen that picture and I forget what grade he said he was in when was he was like, watching. I want to say it was like seventh or eighth. Yeah, he was something really like young. that. He was pretty young, but but he he did watch. He saw that Super Bowl live and and saw that play, and then seeing the picture of that from AT and T Stadium in uh, the Packers uh, player entrance area, he decided, okay, well, if I get one at AT&T Stadium, I'll, uh, I'll tip my cap to Nick Collins. I really wish I could be a fly on the wall in these defensive <laughs> back meetings when they're talking <laughs> about what they want to do for celebrations. That yeah. was one thing Sullivan said. Basically, the veterans had already talked to him about, okay, if you make a play, you got to be ready to celebrate somehow. You've been thinking about that. <laughs> and these are the things that goes through guys' minds. Um, I thought a really nice homage to that play um, – and just the understanding of history there. I mean, yeah. it's, you can tell that was something that it wasn't just like he was trying to do it just to do it. He knew what that play meant, and to be able to kind of celebrate in that way I thought was really special. Chandon Sullivan I think is going to have a bright future here in Green Bay, but, Mike, we have to talk about Lucas Patrick. Uh, I mean, 
what a mensch this guy is. I mean, yeah. you wrote a story about it on Packers.com. You're not going to toot your horn, so I'll toot it for you. It's an incredible okay. look not only into the relationship between Lucas Patrick and Aaron Rodgers, but also the thing that really strikes me about that story, Lucas Patrick, when it's all said and done for him, he's going to go down as one of the real true undrafted success stories in Green Bay. And, you know, I you can talk about your story a little bit, but I, it's incredible to me that Corey Lindsley plays 2,700 consecutive snaps spanning two and a half, almost three seasons. And here's Lucas Patrick, who never played center in college. He's suddenly thrust into that role where you're snapping to Aaron Rodgers and just hearing and learning about their relationship and, and everything that's gone into it. It's, uh, it's really neat. It's, it's really cool. That, 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 uh, that story really struck a chord with me. Yeah, well, the story kind of starts back at the beginning of Patrick's second season in Green Bay, which technically ended up being his first season as an NFL player right. because his rookie year he was on the practice squad, so he didn't get an accrued season um, in terms of uh, free agency status and whatnot. But he's in his second preseason with the Packers in the summer of 2017, and his mom is visiting from out of town, and one day kind of random training camp day, whatever the case might be, Patrick and his mom are leaving the player's parking lot in his mom's Ford Escape. And early Rogers, yeah, an early 2000 Ford Escape. So this vehicle is probably 15, 14, 15 years old, something like that. Rogers, completely out of the blue, is walking through the player's parking lot, and he walks up to the vehicle, and he knocks on the window and has Patrick's mom like roll down the window so that he can introduce himself to his teammate's mom. Now, mind you, this is a guy who has done nothing but spend one year on the practice squad. Right. Hasn't been on a regular season field in the NFL yet. Hasn't really taken any legitimate snaps with Aaron Rodgers as an offensive lineman at this point. But Rodgers knows that Patrick was raised pretty much by his mom uh, solo. She raised two kids. And uh, um, and Patrick ended up going to Duke, where uh, he had a really nice career as a Duke Blue Devil before making his way into the NFL. And Patrick was kind of blown away by that, by just the fact that Rodgers would strike up a conversation, introduce himself to his mom. And then fast forward now to training camp in 2019. Patrick is taking on a lot of duties at center that he's not necessarily used to because his two years on the active roster, 2017 and 2018, he had pretty much played guard, right. had started about a half dozen games as a backup. He's fighting to make the roster again in 2019. And not things maybe not going the best in terms of adjusting to the scheme and all the stuff he's being asked to do at center to back up Lindsley and everything. He's kind of down during training camp, and one day at lunch, Aaron Rodgers sits down at the lunch table with him and just to have a conversation, see how he's doing try to, you know, give him a pep talk or something like that, for lack of a better term. And Rodgers didn't say much from what it sounds like, but the conversation meant everything to Lucas Patrick. He He's like, the quarterback kind of has my back and believes in me here. And Patrick was then asked, we were a group of reporters, we were talking to him yesterday in the locker room, he's asked, well, then when did things start to turn around for you in training camp? Because obviously then he made the team yeah, and, right. and he, he is the backup center on this team. And his answer was, the turnaround was immediate. He says, when you feel like 
number 12 has your back. It's like the whole state of Wisconsin has your back. And the boost of confidence that that gave him and just getting that reminder from Rodgers that, hey, you've played in this league, you've proven you belong here, just go out, do your thing and be you, it, it'll it'll take care of itself because – you know, he's got the toughness, he's got the smarts, he's got the work ethic, everything like that, and it has worked out. And now all of a sudden, Patrick gets thrown into a game against the Cowboys, 93,000 people, AT&T Stadium. He's never played center in an NFL game before, regular season game. And the Packers' offense, quite frankly, doesn't skip a beat. 34 right. points. Um, yes, a couple of snaps that were shotgun snaps that were off target. Fortunately, Aaron Jones was able to catch him and still make positive plays. Those are the things that Patrick is going to work on. But uh, but his relationship with Rodgers is really interesting, and it's it's illustrative of how young players who have fought the hard road to get where they are in the NFL, what veteran players can do for them right. in certain situations, and also what Aaron Rodgers means to uh, to the locker room in general. Patrick couldn't say enough about how much Rodgers has gone out of his way in certain instances to not only do that for him, but for others in the locker room as well. And uh, it was just really, really interesting getting the insights from an incredibly smart, incredibly tough, and incredibly humble player like Lucas. So, so many different layers to this. Uh, the first thing I just want to touch on very quickly, because it's a very small part of a bigger story, is that... I really appreciated the way that Lucas went about telling this because he even kind of warned you guys when you were in the huddle, like, hey, <laughs> do you got a minute? Because, yeah. you know, there's only so much time. I don't think in all my years, though, in covering this team, I've ever had a player ask the media, do you have a minute? <laughs> like, do you, do you have a minute? Um, but the reason I want to point this out is whatever outside narratives may be, and there's been a lot thrown out in the last few years, Yep. there is one opinion, one relationship one reality that truly matters and it's what Lucas Patrick feels it's what Devonte Adams feels it's what that locker room feels amongst each other not just with the quarterback with everyone right that's the only thing that matters regardless of what the outside sentiment might be because the thing is is that outside sentiment a lot of times is thrown out there to create discussion to create narratives to create conversation. To but create the guys, clickbait sometimes. What, yeah, be that as it may. <laughs> yep. Your word? Exactly. But what happens behind those closed doors in the cafeteria, in those interactions, that's what matters on Sunday. Yeah. That's what matters to that team, to that camaraderie, to that chemistry. Yeah, I think the thing that struck me the most about Patrick's story in terms of, in terms of the perspective is that when we see, whether it's, Aaron Rodgers talking to Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers talking to another guy in the huddle on the field or after a play or some reaction that's that's heated, that's emotional, that's in the in the heat of battle when things are tense and 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 things are intense. Those are the things that everybody analyzes yep. in terms of leadership and all these other narratives that we're talking about. It's the stuff that goes on in the cafeteria, in the locker room, behind closed doors that paints the entire picture and if you don't know the entire picture your analysis quite frankly isn't worth a whole lot and what Patrick's story reminded me of is there are the interactions on the field and he even said he was asked you know what did Roger say about those bad snaps and he's like get the snap to me (laughs) you know like it's pretty simple like this is what you got to do and that's the reaction on the field 
But a player like Patrick can take that, and he said, I'll respond positively to that on the field because of the relationship that's been built elsewhere that people don't necessarily see. And so what I wanted to try to do in the story, and I hope I accomplished it, is, is to show that it's the entire picture of the relationship with these players that really matters. And as you said, it's ultimately their opinion is the only one that matters because they're the only ones who know the whole story. Right, absolutely. The, the second part I just want to touch on very quickly about this, looking strictly at Lucas Patrick, is this is the maturation of an NFL football player. He's no longer a tryout guy. He's no longer an undrafted free agent. He's no longer a practice squad player. He's an NFL player now, and I think Lucas understands that and he appreciates that, and that's the reason why he was feeling the way he felt in the cafeteria that day. This was a tough training camp for Lucas Patrick. Yeah, it was. Um, competitively, personally. You know, Justin McCray is one of his best friends on this planet. Justin McCray isn't here anymore. Yeah, he got traded. And the traded. reality is is that he got traded in, in you know, Domino's fall, and that's life. Yeah, incredibly competitive offensive line training camp here yeah. for roster I spots. I said it all year. along. I felt yep. like this was the, the deepest that I've covered in my time in Green Bay. But here's the thing about Lucas Patrick is he wants to get better. He wants to be proved, and he's had this chip on his shoulder. I mean, it comes from when you have one tryout offer. You don't even have any undrafted contracts out there. You have one tryout offer. And it's from and it's from Green Bay, and then after that tryout weekend, you don't get a, contract, don't get a contract offer for another month or so. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes home, and he's thinking he's going to look at the next phase of his life. And here he is now in his third NFL season, his third official NFL season, and now he's snapping Aaron Rodgers. I mean – the, the steps that he's taken, there, there is no I, – I tweeted this when I tweeted your story on Tuesday night. Sorry, I'm all mixed up with my schedule. Yeah. I tweeted this out. You're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone more real than <laughs> Lucas Patrick. Yep. And I think that's one reason why, when it's all said and done, he's going to have a bright future ahead of him in this league. Yeah, and this is one of those guys. He's, he's one of the first guys to defend a teammate. He's one of the first guys to – throw himself into a scrum if something's going on, whether it's in a game or whether it's in a training camp practice and, and whatnot. And now we'll see moving forward, Corey Lindsley is in the concussion protocol. We'll see what happens if he's uh, able to get cleared and ready to go for Monday night against the Lions or if Lucas Patrick will end up getting his first NFL start at, uh, um, at center. Select Cousin Subs locations, Wes, are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, before we go today, I do want to touch on a few of the Week 5 results around the NFL. The one, the most significant one affecting the Packers occurred across the pond in London. Yeah. Uh, a really interesting ball game as the Oakland Raiders jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead on the Chicago Bears. The Bears came all the way back to take a 21 to 17 lead in the fourth quarter and then lo and behold that Bears defense somehow and I'm not quite sure how this happens with a defense that good but they allowed the Oakland Raiders to go 97 yards for what turned out to be the game winning touchdown in the yeah. fourth quarter and the Bears dropped to 3 and 2 the Packers are 4 and 1 and that is why the Packers are in sole possession of first place in the NFC North. Well, these are the I always call them the got to have them uh, games and what I mean by that is there's no positive implications of that result other than the Bears losing. And that's that's the outcome if you're cheering for the Green Bay Packers when you see those in inter- those intra-conference games, I yeah. get that right? 
or inter-conference games. Whatever. I, I always just say cross-conference cross games conference. because then I, don't, cross then I don't conference have to then. worry about I which, like cross which conference. prefix is correct. But when it's when you're going against the AFC, you want the AFC to win. Absolutely. And I'll say this right now. I'll put this out there about John Gruden's team. They still have a lot of work to do. Josh Jacobs is going to be a really talented running back in this year, in this league for years to come. Sure looks like it. David Car- Derek Carr, they established him as their franchise quarterback, but I think they got to run with Jacobs now. And to see him have that kind of showing against that defense, um, that's how you get to it. That's how you beat a dominant defense. You have to be able to run against it. The Raiders did that overseas, and now the Chicago Bears have some questions to answer. Yeah, and the Bears get now get a bye week coming off of the travel to London. They get a bye week to stew about uh, a game that, that they felt they had. Their backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, getting close to field goal range to potentially tie it at the end and get it to overtime. He throws an interception. And, uh, and the Bears take their second loss of the season. We did see the Minnesota Vikings. Turns out their show does travel. They got their first, they got their first road win of the year. Um, the defense really clamped down on Daniel Jones, the rookie quarterback for the Giants. Yeah. New York only scores 10 points. Minnesota gets big games out of Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, despite all the distraction, whatever you want to call it, that's going on with Stephon Diggs. But Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook looking like the uh, the real go-to guys for Kirk Cousins. They had to be. What yeah. did I say last week? You have to be able to throw against the New York Giants. You just have to be able to do that if you're going to legitimately be able to say you're turning this thing around. That was probably the performance they needed. It's sort of like that tune-up fight a little bit, right? I mean, <laughs> you just kind of get your, your momentum back. You get your gusto back a little bit. They got it out of that game. It also helped them that the Giants lost Wayne Gallman. And that sort of had been that Barkley replacement. Without that, they yeah, they get were the already, run game going at right, all. Right, they were already without Barkley. Can I close on one thing? Yeah. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, man, are really legit. I was um, that, that was the next one I was going to ask you about. I know that's a, an opponent further down the road for the Packers. This week it's the Detroit Lions who are coming off a bye at the 2-1-1 mark, and we'll talk about them quite a bit on tomorrow's show. But, yes, the San Francisco 49ers don't look now. They're 4-0, and and they're looking awfully tough. I said this to a buddy of mine uh, watching the game on Monday night. They are the Tim Duncan of the NFL right now. They are the big fundamental. Uh, they don't do stuff that's going to wow you. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo does have his weak spots, but they are a well-oiled machine, and they play to the scheme that Kyle Shanahan has. Now, they're going to be challenged here if Kyle Juszczyk is going to be out a month or whatever that knee injury ends up being. Yeah, very he, very dynamic fullback and a guy who's been a key to that offensive scheme and production. And in 2019, it's so strange when you can actually say, I mean, he is the fullback that makes that offense work. He yeah. makes the run game work. He makes their outside zone work. No doubt. Uh, and George Kittle was at the peak of his powers in that performance. Defensively, I mean, you got Bosa's just a different type of player yeah and he's a beast Cleveland has issues on their offensive line right now but for them to get the penetration that they got they are just a well-oiled machine right now and it's gonna be fun to watch them see where this season goes and what potentially the implications of that game in San Francisco could be or technically San Jose when the Packers meet them in November yeah I mean coming up the Packers will be traveling out west to play the 49ers and we have yet to see the 49ers play either of their contending division rivals in the Rams or the Seahawks. Those are four games, 
two 49ers Rams games, yeah. two 49ers Seahawks games that are coming up here over the course of the next three months that a lot of people are going to be watching. Wes. I, I get a kick out of this one too. Next week, you got the 49ers and Rams playing. So it right? is. So it's n next week is the next first week of those in, four in LA. Okay. And okay. I think it's like a regional television game. Like, uh, if I understood that correctly, let's see here. Incredible. Yeah, it's uh, what is it? The is it the Giants? No. Which one is it? There's there's a really bad like 325 game. And meanwhile, like the people in California are going to be able to watch the 49ers and Rams play. It's yeah, the defending insane. NFC champs against an undefeated <laughs> 49ers team, and there's going to be hardly yeah, any portion of the country that gets to watch it's it. It's Cowboys versus Jets as the national game. Oh boy. <laughs> Wow. No, but Sometimes. seriously, that's gonna be great. There's gonna be some great NFC West matchups coming up here. Yeah, down the I think. Yeah, I think that that is that is a division to that is a division to watch because those teams are gonna have much like the NFC North teams we've been talking about. There are gonna be a lot of games as we go along here with with playoff implications because I think we're already seeing there are gonna be some good teams in the NFC that are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, because it's it's just that competitive. Yesterday you were talking about you know the NFC East and you know, how you had Philadelphia and Dallas both competing. I mean, if you get enough losses, you're going to be in behind the driver's seat there too. So mm -hmm. right now the North and the West are driving this thing and the Packers have to keep pace. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, please. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.